Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Well, I gotta say, it's been quite the week this week as we have been uh, growing and expanding and changing and now vivid in multiple locations across our country. It's been awesome. And so if you're watching maybe this week for the first or second week from Toronto, I love you so much. And if you've been part of Vivid maybe for a little longer in one of our locations across Vancouver, thank you. We love you. And then uh, all across the world, just a little shout out to Ben Leach. I always love shouting you out, Ben. In England, you're watching. It's Sunday night for you. And here we are gathered together. We're in week four of our series, I Gotta Pray About It. And if you're taking notes, write this down. The title of today's message really simply is this, I get to. I get to. Now, as we've talked about prayer, it's like in, in this theme of I gotta pray about it. Now, sometimes people say that when they're just looking for an easy out because they don't want to show up. They don't want to do that thing anyway. And so they use God as an excuse like, hey, I got to pray about it and see. Sometimes people do it because they live in so much anxiety that they don't know how to take the next step forward without a sign from heaven. That's like they're expecting, uh, you know, a big fiery finger from God to come and write something on the wall and give direction. Like, I don't know. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to do it wrong. I got to pray about it. I need God's input. But for each of us, we should be coming to this conclusion where we understand the power that we have when we bring God into the equation. Why would we choose to go through life with less power? Like for real, why would we choose to try to navigate through difficulty without the ultimate wisdom and resource of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so whatever you're facing right now, you got to pray about it. Bring God into the equation. He has given you the ability to do so. So last week, uh, we were in, in Toronto and we were uh, preparing for an announcement. And so we were getting everything together and we were doing some worship. How much you enjoy the worship today, by the way. So good. And, and as we were preparing, one of the things that I needed to do was go buy a power bar. Now, as a, a pioneer of a church at Vivid, I think probably more than anything else, I am a purchaser of power bars and extension cords. Every new venue we go to, it's that one thing that we're like, hey, we need to figure out how to get power from that wall to where the stage is. It feels like I'm always buying power bars and extension cords. Well, as you know, right now we, we happen to be in a pandemic. If you didn't know yet, just please welcome me. Like, Allow me to come join you under the rock that you're living in. Uh, but hey, we're in this pandemic. There's restrictions everywhere. And so I said, no problem, guys. You get set up. I'm going to go buy a power bar. I thought it should be easy. But in this COVID-19 world, there's just nothing easy anymore. Restrictions. Anyone else tired of restrictions? Yeah, I know. So, so I, I was driving. And I saw a hardware store. I thought, perfect. I'm going to swing right in here and just quickly uh, pick up the power bar that I needed. So I, I got in line and there was the little allocated boxes taped out on the, the parking lot. And you know, for those of you who are from Toronto, you're used to this and you're like, this is the greatest summer weather that we've ever had. But I'm talking like Vancouver weather. So it's a little bit cold, but I'm, I'm okay. I'm waiting it out and I'm waiting to get my power bar. I finally get to the front of the line. And uh, there's been about three or four people before me. There are two gentlemen who are working this station. No one else behind me in the line. I get to the front. I say, hey, guys, how you doing? They say, great. How are you? I said, I'm so good. Because that's just how I like to answer. And, uh, and then I stopped being so good. Because I said, well, 
what, what is your order today? I said, oh, I don't have an order. I just need a power bar. They said, well, we can't help you with that. I said, really? You don't have any power bars here? Like, oh, we have power bars, but you need to phone in your order. I was like, oh. So when I phone in that order, though, would it, would it come to you guys? Yep. Okay, cool. So can I just tell you my order? Like, no. Provincial-wide restrictions. And I, you know, I struggled because I do my best to try to understand the mentality behind restrictions. I couldn't really figure out how this would be safer for the spread of a virus. And so I said, you know what? I'm good. I'll just go get a power bar somewhere else. So then I went to the next place and it, it looked like, it appeared like, kind of like a dollar store. It looked like they just sort of had everything there, one of those types of stores. And so I popped my head in and I said, hey, I just got a quick question for you. She said, before I can answer your question, uh, you just need to quickly hand sanitize. And I thought, cool, there's, you know, I'm not gonna put hand sanitizer on my mouth, which is where the question will be deriving from, but I'll do my best to do my part. And so I'm hand sanitizing away. And I said, hey, just a quick question. You don't happen to have power bars, do you? And she said, oh yeah, of course. We have a whole section for power bars. I thought, this is amazing. What dollar store has a power bar section? That's how she's like, but before I can help you, you need to put on gloves. I'm like, I'll put my freshly hand sanitized hands inside the little plastic gloves so I can go to the extension cord section. That makes sense. And so then she walked me down the aisle and she said, you'll find them just on the left here. And uh, as she left the aisle, I thought, oh, I think we've had a communication breakdown because I was in the power bar section and there was a variety of chocolate and vanilla flavored power bars. Well, I felt so embarrassed I ended up buying one anyway. Have you ever been there with like just communication breakdown? You're like, no, no, that's not exactly what I meant. So then I thought, well, there's one store that I know will definitely have a power bar. And so I ran across the parking lot now on store number three. And uh, I know that they have power bars because I have been in Toronto before doing a video shoot where we needed a power bar because I'm always buying power bars. And, and so I walked into the rack where the power bars are. Sold out of power bars. I guess power bars are in high demand. Now I am three stores in. I have no power bar yet and it's just not working out. Now I don't know about you. Maybe for some of you, that's what your prayer life feels like. You, you feel like, I, I think I'm not doing the, the rules right. Like, I think there's some, supposed to be some things that I do. I don't know who to call. I don't know how to walk through and what the, the order is. Or maybe you feel like, I wouldn't even know where to start to begin. And maybe I'd be asking God for one thing and I'd be getting another. Or, you know what, God's probably so tapped out in this whole COVID-19 thing. People are praying for all sorts of things. Well, little old me, God probably doesn't care about the need that I might have. Well, I just wanted to tell you today that with God, there are no longer any restrictions. Hey, good news. The restrictions have been lifted. Now, someone, you're going to take a sound bite. You're going to copy this one part and say, my pastor said the restrictions have been lifted. I'm talking specifically about the restrictions that exist between us and God. God wants to hear from you. That means that when it comes to prayer, it's not something you just got to do. It really is something you get to do. You and I have the opportunity to be in the presence of God. Let me prove it to you twice, okay? Go to the book of Romans, if you will. This book of Romans, chapter 5. And uh, we're looking at the fact that there are no restrictions between us 
and God because of the work of Jesus. Check this out. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Someone's saying, I'm not standing. I'm laying in bed watching on my phone. Well, I want to encourage you. Why don't you just stand up for a second and remind yourself that in God, you have the opportunity to stand in his grace. Check this out. It says we stand in this grace and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Some people you are like, oh, no, I'm not that boastful type of person. But when it comes to the glory of God, you and I ought to start living with a little bit more swagger. We boast in the fact that we've got hope in God. Verse 3, it says, not only so, we also glory in our suffering. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Now check that out. Paul is saying this. You and I, we live in a reality with God where there's no restrictions. Imagine this. You don't pray to God and God goes, ho, 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 wait, wait a second. You need to use the other line. Like, oh. God doesn't say, hey, 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 you need to sanitize before you can come into my presence. You better get your act together. Because why? Because Jesus has given us access. We get to actually stand in the presence of God before the throne of grace and receive from God all his goodness. Man, that's a hope worth boasting about. Now check this out. I told you I'd prove it to you twice. Go to the book of Hebrews chapter 4. Ready? Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to look at another view on this same reality. Hebrews chapter 4. The promises in the word are pretty rich and exciting. Hebrews chapter 4. Check this out. Verse uh, 14. It says, Therefore, we've got a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus Christ, So let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet has done so without sin. So let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Here in this picture... The the writer of Hebrews is reminding the the Jewish community who understood this reality that in order to get to God, there's a proper order of doing things. There is a proper way to do it. How many people know there's proper ways to do things? Like there's just the right way to do it. There's probably someone in your household, someone in your family, who's all about doing things the right way. And then there's someone in your family or household who's just trying to hack it together. Uh, You know what I'm talking about. They're reusing things for things they weren't meant to. Like it's a life hack, right? Well, 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 the people in the Jewish community knew there's one right way to approach God. And the right way was through a a specific order of ordinances through a priest. One day a year, one time, one person would stand in the presence of God uh, on behalf of the entire community. And if they did it just right, the whole community in that moment could breathe a sigh of relief that for one moment before someone else messed it up, they got to be in right standing with God. And they lived in such a way that there was a constant reminder of how far they were were from hitting the mark and how spiritually distanced they were from God and how hard it was to be close to them or, or close to the presence of God. 
but this one high priest would make atonement once a year. Well, here the writer of Hebrews is saying, I want you to know that the high priest who is Jesus is not a priest like Aaron was, not a priest like, like Samuel was, not a priest like any of the Old Testament priests who make atonement once a year. The, the, the high priest who is Jesus has made a way once and for all. And so therefore, we now can confidently approach the throne of grace and receive mercy for our time of need. Vivid Church, are you in a time of need right now? Like anyone watching this, are you saying, this is my time of need. I'm experiencing an existential crisis. I have some needs in my life. You need to know this, that they matter to God. And he's made a way so that you can come into his presence confidently with a little bit of swagger, with some confidence, with some boldness. You don't have to cower in the presence of God. You actually get to stand in the presence of God with full expectation to receive from him in your area of need. The restrictions have been lifted. I'm so excited for the day when we get a news uh, press release that says, everyone, guess what? The, the restrictions have been list, lifted. Masks off and go hug your neighbor. But until that moment and then way after that moment ends, we live in this reality that there's no restriction between us and God. His perfect power is working its best work in our lives. So prayer is not something you got to do. It's something that you get to do. You get to be in communication with God about actually everything. So like, why don't we mourn? Knowing that, understanding that for some, you're like, oh, you're going to do the Romans 5 thing. Got it. I know that one. Oh, you're going to the, you know, the Jesus. He's the high priest in the line of Melchizedek. I got where you're going there in Hebrews chapter 4. But, but if we can have that type of confidence in prayer, why don't we pray more? Like, like not just more often, but more focused. Why don't we have the type of attitude that says, I get to bring this to God who's perfect in power, perfect in wisdom, perfect in love. And has already proven to me he cares for my needs. Well, you know in that passage in, in, in Hebrews, just before it says that, it says this, the word of God is powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword and it divides even our attitudes and motives. I wonder right now if you and I, sometimes we pray, but we pray with an attitude. We pray, but we pray with like weird motives. We pray with this attitudinal thought. We're like, well, I'm probably not good enough for God to listen to me anyway and I'm probably doing this wrong. You don't have to pray that way. Guess what? You get to pray with confidence and boldness and approach God. Imagine, imagine with me, if you observe me and my kids, imagine Titus. He turned 13 last week or, or two weeks ago now. Imagine if Titus wanted something. And when he asked, he came to me and he, he like crawled hand in hand and foot. And he's like, oh, dearest father, you know, I, I cower in your presence. You would all be looking and say, there is something like fundamentally flawed not necessarily with Titus, but with Justin. Like, why is it that his son is cowering in his presence? But he doesn't have to do that. He can come up and approach me and talk to me and, and interact with me normally because he knows how much I love him. I wonder, do you know how much God loves you? He wants to hear from you. Prayer is not something you got to do. It's something you get to do. I want to show you one example from an interaction that took place with Jesus that I think is going to set the tone for the way we pray this week. Can we do that? Just to kind of set the tone. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Mark, chapter 10, as we bring this series 
to a conclusion. Mark chapter 10. Uh, I love this story so much. It's just fantastic. Check it out. Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 46. It says this, Then they came, this is speaking of Jesus and the group of people who were traveling with him, because wherever Jesus was, people just kind of liked to be around. I think that's a beautiful thing. He had this magnetic presence about him that wherever he went, people wanted to be. I hope that in my life, as I reflect the light of Jesus' life more, that I have that same type of magnetism that people want to be where I am. Not because I bring something to the equation, but the power of God working within me. It says this, when they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, as they were leaving the city, there was a blind man there. His name was Bartimaeus. Now, in case you don't understand the etymology of the language, Mark goes on to say, that name means son of Timaeus. I don't know why he needed to clarify that in case someone's going, Bartimaeus, that's a great name. It doesn't apply to you unless your dad's name was Timaeus, okay? Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. He was sitting by the roadside begging. It says this, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many around him rebuked him, and they told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped, and he said, call him. So those who were around him called the blind man. They said, cheer up. Get on your feet. He's calling you. And so throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet, and he came to Jesus. Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And And then he answered, teacher, I want to see. Go, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the roadside. I wonder if I could just make a few points of application for you and I as we uh, receive from Jesus today. And as maybe we get a little uh, adjustment to the attitude in which we pray. It's not something you got to do. It's really something you get to do. First thing I want you to notice is this, that Jesus, he was on his way out of the city of of, of Jericho. Now Jericho at that time of year specifically would have been like a crazy type of traffic jam. Now, not vehicles, but we're talking people, donkeys, maybe some wagons, wheelbarrows. I don't know whatever else they, they rode on, maybe a camel or two, but they were on their way and getting out of the city. I don't know about you. Do you love when you hit that point when you're out of traffic? Oh, for people who are part of our our new Toronto location, you don't know what that's like. That's actually possible in other parts of the world to get onto the other side of traffic. Anyway, it's that great feeling when you get out of traffic and you can kind of move more freely. And here's Jesus. He's with his crew and they get out of the traffic. And I imagine that there's a little bit of like a, okay, finally, out of that, no more intersections. We're on our way now. And there was one last piece of road between uh, Jericho and Jerusalem where they were going. And it was just kind of a long uphill climb from that point onward. Now, I think, I think Bartimaeus was a, a really clever beggar because he chose that spot and that place to beg. Now, now just, just on, on the pure humanity of it, if you're a beggar and everybody's frustrated, it's probably not going to be their most generous time. So he's like, I'm going to just put, put myself at the edge of the city so that when people are kind of, their spirits are lifted and they can look up the hill and see we're almost to our destination, maybe they'll be a little more generous. Just a side note, I think Bartimaeus, he, he was shrewd that way. And, uh, and so he was begging outside of the road of Jericho, which would have been the thing he always did. It would have been a very normal place to be, but something abnormal took place that day. Jesus 
walked into the, into the environment. Jesus was in the place. I think it's a beautiful thing to imagine that this blind man understood who Jesus was more than people who saw him. People who saw him thought, this guy is like a celebrity preacher. No, no, Jesus was more than that. People who saw him, they're like, this guy, he does miracles. But, but Bartimaeus said, just through observation, just through listening, he said, this guy's not just a guy. He's not just like a guy with power. It's the Messiah. This is the one that we've all been waiting for. He used this really beautiful descriptive name. You are the son of David. In other words, the one we've all been waiting for. And there was people all around Jesus who were like, I just love Jesus. You know, he's my guy. And they hadn't even recognized who he was. But Bartimaeus, though he was blind, had the clearest vision of who Jesus was. He seized that moment. He seized that day. He didn't sit there and go, well, you know, I'm just a beggar from Jericho. Who am I? He seized his moment and he called out to Jesus in a loud voice, the Bible said. And he did so with humility saying, have mercy on me. Well, I want to tell you this. You need to recognize that Jesus wants to hear from you, but you actually need to speak to him. You need to open your mouth and ask God. It's not enough to know that you, you, you got to pray. You actually get to. So do it. Pray, bring your needs to God, call out to Jesus and ask for mercy. I love that mercy is the request because mercy means something that is undeserved. In other words, we don't pray based on the fact that we feel we deserve it. We pray based on the source, the supply that is Jesus, the overflow of his grace in which we all receive grace upon grace. So he calls out for mercy in your life, in your area of need. Just call out to Jesus. Now here's what might happen. There might be people or powers or principalities in your life who tell you to shut up. That, like, you, you could translate that really clearly. They said, hey, shut up. Jesus has more important things than you. He's got more important people to interact with than you. I think what they were probably saying is, I am a person that is more important than you. That's just going to happen in your life. So many of us, we stopped praying because we got discouraged. We stopped praying because, because we, we believe the lie that Jesus doesn't really care. Well, guess what Jesus says? He quiets everyone down and says, I want you to call that man and bring him over here. And all of a sudden, the crowd of people who had been saying, shut up, say, cheer up. Now, that is just a fickle crowd. And, and if you're surrounded only by fickle people, you need to find some good people in your life. These people, they, they just go wherever the wind blows. They're like, I don't think if I were Jesus, I'd want to listen to you. So I think you should shut up. And then Jesus informs them, I actually care about people like Bartimaeus. They're like, oh, yeah, 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 me too. Hey, cheer up, buddy. Jesus wants to hear from you. You can just hear it straight from the Bible. Prayer is something you get to do. And so you don't have to worry about what the forces in your life are, the, the, the discouraging emotions, or maybe even specifically someone who has told you, you don't need to pray anymore, or you shouldn't be praying about that sort of thing. Guess what? God cares about whatever you care about because he cares about you. So he said, hey, bring that man to me. Bartimaeus gets up. The Bible says he throws his cloak aside, which is a whole other sermon. But I love this thought because a cloak in that time is what he would have placed across his lap. And it would have been where coins were, were received. He would have been asking people, can you drop your coins into this little pouch that I've created in my lap with my cloak? Well, the Bible says he just threw that cloak aside. Why? Because he recognized in a couple of moments, I'm not going to need this anymore. My whole life is going to change. Imagine if we approach prayer with that type of anticipation, when our prayer wasn't just a rote, uh, memorized, ritualistic thought where we're coming to God and like, oh, dear Jesus, I pray right now that you, but it's alive and active and whew, 
this could be the moment of hope where God comes through. So he casts it aside. There's some sacrifice involved. And he comes to Jesus. Jesus asks him a question that has confounded me for years. He says to Bartimaeus, what would you like me to do for you? I'm like, Jesus, like you are the savior of the world, but, but, but Captain, obvious you are not. Obviously, this guy wants to see. But the truth of the matter is some of us choose misery. We choose to stay in our misery. In that moment, Bartimaeus could say, you know what, I'm good. In that moment, Bartimaeus could have lost his heart, lost his confidence, or he could have just said, hey, Jesus, I've just recently lost my cloak. Could I have a couple more cloaks? He could have said this, Jesus, I've been having kind of like a, a bad day of begging. Could you hook me up with some cash? Jesus, I want to believe, would have blessed Bartimaeus with the thing he asked for. But in that moment, Bartimaeus didn't lose heart, didn't lose focus. He said, Master, I want to see. Jesus answers his prayer and says, hey, you can go. Your faith has healed you. But guess what? Bartimaeus didn't go. He followed Jesus immediately. Here's the application for you and I. I believe that Jesus is still on the move. I believe that he's still just as accessible as ever. Because Paul told me so in the book of Romans. The author of Hebrews told me so in Hebrews. I I just want to believe that with all my heart. Jesus is still accessible. I can still approach him. But I need to speak out in prayer. Maybe this week it's been a while since you've really prayed a prayer. Pray. Put your heart into it. And if you get discouraged, push through that discouragement. And when Jesus listens, which he always does, I want you to have some anticipation. Like, I'm not going to need this cloak anymore. I'm about to get an answer for my prayer. And then I want you to be really clear with this. Ask God for what you really want. Like, prayer is asking. Sometimes people say things like this. It sounds good. It's just not true. They're like, prayer is not just about asking God things. Guess what? The word pray means to ask. Prayer is about us asking. Now, it's also about us listening to that response. It's also about us receiving that that grace in our time of need. But prayer is about asking. So be bold. Be straight up. Be confident. Ask Jesus and get ready to go with him. You know, today I I was uh, driving and I was behind a a streetcar. And uh, I watched this guy and I watched this whole thing happen. and, And I became an instant fan. Uh, the streetcar was just a little bit ahead, but I watched this guy, and he had a, a coffee in one hand, and I could tell he was trying to get on that streetcar. And probably what he needed more than a coffee was a belt, because his pants were just hanging a little bit low, and so he had a coffee in one hand, and he was kind of holding his pants in the other hand, and he was doing that little waddling run, you know? He's not wanting to spill any of the coffee or lose his pants, which I was grateful for. And he was kind of running, and you could feel him almost like, if I could just call out, the streetcar would be there. And I watched this happen. I watched kind of the streetcar kind of pump on the brakes and he sped up a little bit and then he lost heart. And so the streetcar kept going and then he kind of regained heart and he was like, oh no, I will come. And eventually the awkward back and forth, the streetcar just kept moving. And in that very moment, I felt like the spirit of God was speaking to me that for some, that's what your prayer life has been like. You're worried all about, you know, keeping yourself all together. And you're like, God, uh, that's okay. Actually, no, it's okay. But, uh, no, I'm good. And it's like God is going, I'm ready. I'm available. But I'm not a bully. I'm not going to force my grace upon you. I'm ready to respond and I'm ready to give. 
if you want to receive, but I want to ask you the question, what would you like me to do for you? We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.